0: Um, so this morning, I, I just, uh, there are a lot of things that have come together. Uh, you know, we, I've found this in my life, that you can have control or you can have growth, but you can't have both. If you want to grow in the Lord, you got to give up, control. But that's hard to do. How many of you found that hard to do? I found that hard to do. And, and so what, what happens, what, what's happened particularly in today was that there are several reminders from the Lord about things that he has spoken to this house in years past. I sat across the table from a brother on Friday night that I didn't, not, I didn't know. I met him for the first time. And he said, Lighthouse, Lighthouse. Oh, I remember being at Lighthouse at a miracle service. And he began to tell me some stories which I already knew part of. But as he told me about, I got so fired up. I'm like, yeah. I was there when in this room, I was there and I watched legs lengthen. I watched Jesus lengthen people's legs. Pews are gone, but right about where John's sitting. Right there. Somebody's leg that was an inch shorter than another one, causing them all kinds of back problems. And at the name of Jesus, that leg jumped. And they got up and the back was completely whole. The stories he was telling me was, I, I was in a service and people jumped up and they were getting fillings in their mouth. Creative miracles right here in this room. I know some people that did that. And uh, one, the youth pastor at the time, Bethel Temple, uh, Rocky Byers, he was one. And he had, uh, he had an old kind of a doll uh, crown in the back, kind of silver, and it was bright gold when he left this place. This ain't hocus pocus. This is Jesus doing creative miracles. Yeah. And, and, and so the brother that was ministering that day, he said, some of you right now, he just shared a word on Some of you right now have a metallic taste in your mouth. This is what's going on. Don't worry about it. Jesus is giving you fillings, but go to the bathroom later and look. You'll see what I'm talking about. And true, true enough. People got up and out. Woo! They come back in. I got a filling, I got a filling. No waiting room. No drill. Woo! None of that. Come to church. Come on, right? Come on. And, and so all of that, just it made me, and, I, and, and it, was, it was like once he, we got started, we're like, oh, man, let me tell you about this other miracle. And I, and I told him about when I was in India, and, and there was this guy that came down to the altar, and both of his eyes were completely white. Like, you couldn't see anything, just completely chalk white. And uh, and he somebody had to to bring him down, and I prayed for him. And his eyes completely, complete, All of a sudden, he's got these these piercing dark, you know, eyes, and he's. And he starts shouting, and he says, I can see. I mean, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm, I am like nobody. I'm like the guy that didn't need to be there. I was maybe, uh, this is 1995. I don't even know how old I was back then. But anyway, I was, I was under 30. Did they take you seriously when you're under 30? I don't think so. And uh, uh, anyway, you didn't hear that. Um, anyway, uh, I prayed for this guy, and his eyes were completely opened. And then he says this to me uh, through an interpreter. He says, I was named after a Hindu god, and I want a Christian name. And I gave him the name Dan. He said, I want you to name me because Jesus opened my eyes when you prayed for me, and I named him Daniel. Isn't that crazy? I have a a little rupee bill, which rupees is the the name of their currency, and I have a rupee bill in my passport. That I carry with me as a reminder because he gave it to me. I'm like, I don't want your money. He said, No. He said, I want you to remember me. I said, Oh, for that, you know. If you know anything about rupees, it was like, way, it was like worth less than half a cent anyway. So not gonna make or break anybody's budget, but um wow, the Lord, right? The Lord. When when God shows up, He just changes things because He's got authority. And we're going to talk about that authority today. And we're going to be in the book of John chapter 10. And we're going to talk about the phrase, the place where Jesus says, I am the gate. I Say it out loud. I am the gate. This is what Jesus says about himself. Have you ever uh, gone to a new building, maybe a coliseum or, or a, a conference center, and you couldn't find your way in? The place was so massive, and, and you know you looked around, and, and you couldn't find your way into the location. Um, I have a story, a true story happened to me in 1985. Um, I was with my aunt and my grandparents. We'd gone up to Alaska, my first time ever to Alaska, and I love it, and, and uh, went back in 2016. But I, I decided to work at a, at a salmon cannery. And and you know they just can't get help fast enough, and so they would say that they would say, uh, "Hey, come to work and then fill out your application at lunchtime." <laughs> and I will get, "Oh, okay, cool. You're not really too worried about me pushing paper or anything, then, right?" So so uh, we would start the we would start the job at seven a.m. and you'd work seven in the morning till midnight, and anything over eight hours in a day was overtime. So I was 18 years old, and I was probably, at that time, I was probably making, in, in, after, after eight hours, I was making more than $25 an hour. I thought I was rich. The problem was that uh, they said, okay, you need to go to the cafeteria. Well, I didn't know where the cafeteria was. Like, they didn't tell you nothing, right? I didn't even fill an application yet. This is my first time at this cannery. It's a big place. And so I, I start walking. I, I Well, these people look like they know where they're going, and I followed them in. And I go in, and man, I'm telling you, glass plates, crystal glasses. I'm, I'm, I'm talking prime rib, baked potato, already, already plated, right? Linen napkins, nice silverware. I'm like, yes! When you're 18 years old, you can put down some prime rib. I'm there. And I get in there, and I get about halfway done, and this little Korean guy comes out with a meat cleaver out of the kitchen. He said, what are you doing in here? So well, uh, I work here. No, you're not one of the. You're not one of the full timers. You're not one of the year-round deploy employees. You're not supposed to be here. You're supposed to be over in the cafeteria. Oh, well, I didn't know the way in. I didn't know the way. I didn't know how to get there. And so, you know, he follows me out with the meat cleaver. I don't know if that was a message, or he just didn't want to put it down because it was clean. I don't know. But uh, he follows me out with the meat cleaver, and you know, wait, just one more bite, and I made my way out to the cafeteria where they were serving clam strips but anyway it was not bad it was good you know, we've got to have access. We've got to know the way in. And, and God put on the inside of every one of us, uh, the Bible says eternity is set in the hearts of men. God has set eternity in men's hearts. That we know that there's something more than the life that we have to experience, you know, in the nine to five, eight to four, you only work half a day, that's 12 hours, 12 hours is half of 24. You know, what, whatever you do in life, it's not gonna be enough unless you know the meaning behind life itself. It's not gonna be enough. And so when Jesus begins to talk to the Pharisees in John chapter 10, he begins to talk about the importance of this principle. So let's go into our notes here, and we're we're gonna read John chapter 10. And uh, I'll, I'll read it for you, and we'll just get into it together. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. That's pretty straight. One verse, and he's already ticked them off. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Everybody say, know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said, again, very truly I tell you. Now, in an oral culture, when you have to repeat yourself, it's, it, he, Jesus has gone to the place, this is insult now. Very truly. Anytime you get two very trulys from Jesus, you better pay attention. I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The greatest thing you could ever be is a sheep, one of Jesus' sheep. You don't have to rise above to be anything above that. If, you, if you're one of his sheep, you have made it. It's a beautiful place. You say, well, that's not very complimentary, Pastor Ken. I'd rather be blessed than smart. Yep. Amen. I'd rather have the favor of God than all the money in the world. Why? Because if you and I have entered through the gate and we are one of his sheep, then we have access to everything that the shepherd owns. And he can protect us from things that we can't even see. He can look after us in ways that we don't even know we need looking after for. And so this is an honor that you and I have. And when we understand the principle of what Jesus is saying about the gate and, and the reality of it for your life and mine, we will rejoice in the fact that Jesus says, I'm the gate. I'm the gate. Now, this is, uh, every time I I take a, a passage of scripture from one testament, I always look to see what the other testament had to say about it. The old preacher saw, says, the New Testament is in the Old Testament revealed, the Old Testament is in the New Testament concealed. Because one speaks of the other and there are things that are spoken of in type and shadow in the Old Testament that are in the fulfillment in the era in which we live. And so you have to marry the two. You have to tie them together. You have to say, okay, where have I heard this concept? Where have I seen this principle? Where is this metaphor in use before? And if you go looking, when you read Jesus' words in John chapter 10, you find a story from Genesis chapter 28 that mentions a gate. And it's the story of how Jacob is, is uh, going along, and he, you know, Jacob's mouth has got him into trouble, his deceptions got him in, in, in difficulty, and, he's, and he's, he's fleeing. And so he, he gets to a place that he's just tired, and so he, he goes around, he looks around, and he finds a Motel 6 that's got a pillow like a rock. They didn't like that in the 8 o'clock either. And... Uh, but he pulls up a rock for a pillow. Who does that? That's the, I'm just saying. I've had some hard pillows and in some cheap hotels, and so maybe that I don't know. But he pulls up a, po- a, a rock to elevate his head, and he goes to sleep, and he wakes up. He doesn't realize that it's a, a unique place. It's a special place. It's a moment in his life that he'll never forget. It's a moment that's going to change the trajectory of his life and all of his children's lives from then on. He has a moment, and he doesn't recognize the place that he's in. He doesn't realize that this is is eternity. This is heaven and earth have kissed right here, that this thing is different. And so he's laying there and he looks and he looks and he sees this ladder. You remember hearing the story, maybe in Sunday school back in the day, you, you sang about Jacob's ladder. And what was going on? Heaven and earth, the angels were ascending and descending from this place. And Jacob said, oh, this is none other than the house of God, This is the gate of heaven. This is the gate of heaven. And so he recognized that it it looked like the rest of the desert. It looked like the rest of everything else. He didn't recognize the place until God opens his eyes and he sees, oh, I'm at this location. It's the gate of heaven. It's, It's where heavenly communication flows backward and forward. Angel, angels are angelic messengers, right? They're carrying information from heaven that we need. And, and you know, uh, don't get wigged out because we don't worship angels, but even in Hebrews it says, you know, we might worship angels unawares, right? We, we are not worship angels, but we may encounter them, you know? They're messengers, and they're sent to serve us, you know, to accomplish the things that God wants to do in our lives. So anyway, Jacob has this encounter, And he said, This is the gate of heaven. So when Jesus says, Everybody who came before me was a thief and a robber, thieves steal from you without you knowing. I hate a thief, don't you? You leave stuff where you leave stuff, and you come back and it's not there. Don't blame your grandkids, don't blame your wife. No, a thief is somebody that steals from you and you don't know you're being stolen from. It hasn't happened in my life very often. Maybe one time I think that somebody actually stole something from me. And, uh, and you know, the best thing to do when you've been stolen from, when it's a person, is just turn around and give it to them. Oh, you didn't steal it from me, I gave it to you. In Jesus' name. You obviously needed it more than me. And then you bless them. Why? Because God will bless you. But if you get all cranked up and, and, and hold a grudge, well, you just got fried. They stole more from you than an earthly thing. Just give it away. Give it away, right? Now, I'm not saying that the law can't be involved and that they shouldn't have to pay restitution, but in your heart, just give it. I don't know if that makes any sense at all. To him who has ears to hear, So a thief steals from you without you even realizing it, but a robber, they'll do it in broad daylight at gunpoint. They'll come up and smack you around, pistol whip you, leave you on the ground, take your stuff, right? And Jesus is saying of the Pharisees, you guys have all of the truth of the law and you have, you have kept it to yourself. You've stolen it from the people of God. You've stolen the promises. You've held it in, in such high regard that, that the people that it really belongs to can't even get it. And so he's making a statement. All who came before me were thieves and robbers. Ooh, that's a tough statement, isn't it? Pretty exclusive we would say, if we didn't know who Jesus was, man, he's full of pride. That guy, he's making some statements. Well, he's the only one qualified to be able to make that statement in the first place, right? He says, I'm the gate for the sheep. I'm the, I'm the one, you know, not, we're going to talk about what, what gates are in the Bible here. But I'm the gate for the sheep you got to know how to enter into everything that God wants to have for you you got to know you got to have accessibility and Jesus is our access so in the bible gates have numerous purposes it's in your notes he, uh, he says, uh, there's several different passages of scripture, Genesis 23, Ruth 4, gates were places where decisions were made and deals were witnessed. Today, and anybody that lives in Gloucester, you, you kind of known this, but I find myself introducing people to, that are new to Gloucester, you know, uh, how many of you thought it was strange when you moved to Gloucester, there, there was, a, there was a, 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 a general part of town called Gloucester Courthouse, Like as soon as you heard that, you're like, courthouse? I don't want to go to the courthouse. Judges and lawyers are there. Stay away from them all I can. Why do I want to go to a courthouse? But, you know, in in the municipalities around here, the, the, the county seat is known as the courthouse. But in Gloucester, we got three courthouses, don't we? Let's count them. We've got the historic courthouse, And then we've got the old courthouse and we've got the new courthouse, right? Who can keep up? I'm thankful I've been here for 33 years and I almost got that part figured out. Those are the places where legal documents are kept. Those are the places where decisions are made, where judges sit behind a bench and they say, based on the information I have and based on the law that I have that I go by and I'm gonna make the most integrous, righteous decision I can make, the innocent go free and the wicked get punished now that's a way over generalization of what's supposed to happen but that's the reality that when when the judge sits at the seat what does he do he sifts it out jesus is going to sift out between the sheep and the goats he's the one that he's the righteous judge that can do that he knows everybody's heart he knows everything that's going on and in ultimate ultimately for judgment the innocent go free and the wicked get punished. So when Jesus says, I'm the gate, he's saying, I'm the access point where decisions are made. I'm the access point to let you in to your future, to let you into the things that I have in store for you. I have the ability to protect you. I have the ability to guard your life. I have the ability to help you discern what ought to be in your life and what ought not to be in your life. How many of you are thankful that God will, has kept you from stuff? Right? He's protected you. He's kept you. He's kept me too. Gates were places where authorities gathered. Proverbs 22, 22. Gates were seats of power. We see that in Matthew 16, 18. Uh, Jesus said, I will build my church in the what? The gates of hell will not prevail against it. The seat of power is the gate. The the gate is, is where we say this is what goes here and this is what doesn't go here. We have authority to let things in or not. And then gates allowed people to come in and find protection, John chapter 10, verse nine. So when you and I are in Christ, we are protected against the thief, that means enemies that steal from us that we don't even realize we've been stolen from, and robbers, enemies that just, will forthrightly beat us up and take our stuff. Now the only challenge that you and I have when it comes to this is that we recognize that when we have said yes to Jesus, we have let him in to the gate of our life. Jesus said in the, the book of Revelation, behold I stand at the door and knock, right? And if you will open the door, he will come in. You and I have the right to allow Jesus in, Or the right to keep him out. Because this is the way God set it up. When he put Adam in the garden. I mean you you have to understand. God gave Adam the keys to the Lamborghini called the universe. And he'd never driven before. But he handed him the keys. And he trusted him. And he put him in charge and whatever Adam called things, that was its name and he, he, made him, uh, he gave him dominion in the earth and so the thing that God does when he re- is restoring dominion is he comes to you and I and he says, hey, your flesh is gonna wanna agree with this world every chance it gets and your flesh wants to take you down hard. It wants to steal from you. It wants to diminish you if you let your appetites run wild, you will not live a long life. But Jesus would say, if if you'll come to me and you'll give me control and you'll agree that I have a rightful place of lordship because I have defeated death, I have defeated hell, and I have defeated the grave. And I'm not just some benevolent dictator sitting up here saying you ought to do it my way because I want my way. I have been where you are and I've defeated your enemy. Now if you'll follow me, we can defeat him together. Amen? So you opened the gate of your heart and you said it's a righteous decision to follow Jesus. And when you said he's righteous, he made you righteous. He gave you his standing. He gave you the full rights as sons. He gave you access to heaven. He gave you access to all the promises of God. He's not looking at your past any longer because he's too busy looking at your future filled with the promises of God. And so when you and I come to him, we give him access, he gives us access but there are places in our lives that we haven't fully turned over to the lord in romans chapter 14 this is i'm, I'm touch your neighbor and say it's it's about to get deep here <laughs> romans 14:23 but whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat because their eating is not from faith and everything that does not come from faith is sin now that's a That is a word out of context, and I'm only going to give you a brief context, and you're going to have to go back and look at it. But I didn't have the whole, I didn't have room to put the whole chapter in there. What Paul is saying there is that if you're a person of faith, then nothing is off limits for you. If your faith is strong, then he's saying meat sacrificed to idols, no big deal, because an idol is really nothing anyway. Somebody's just giving it power. And so, but he's addressing a problem that broke out in the church because you had, you had, some, uh, you had Gentiles and some of them were, were buying the, 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 the cheapest cuts of meat. And you know why they were cheap? Because they'd already been paid for once and they'd take a bowl and they'd sacrifice it and the cost was, you know, was for the sacrifice. Somebody paid for the sacrifice but then they had all this meat left over and so what do they do? They put it on discount. And so some of the church people go buy it. And they'd bring it to the church for for a Sunday potluck. And somebody would look at it and say, you know what? I recognize that prime rib. (laughs) It was up the street at an idol. Somebody offered that thing to a demon god, and you brought that thing in here to the house of God? What are you thinking? Now, in that moment, Paul would say, and this is, Paul would say, if it were just me, I wouldn't have any problem eating it. Because my faith is such that I realize that an idol is really nothing anyway. And it's just those people in their ignorance doing what they're doing. And so I would look at it and say, huh, but I'm, I'm sanctified. I'm thankful. That beef was on sale. I'm going for it. But he said, if somebody's offended by your eating, if somebody looks at it and say, don't you know that that was offered to an idol? Then don't eat it. Why? Not for your faith, but the other person's faith. The other person, their faith wasn't as strong as yours, and so you don't want to offend their faith. It's okay. You know, it's okay. And you and I find ourselves dealing with that matrix uh, on, on many occasions, and your faith might be stronger than somebody else, but what's your, what's your responsibility in regards to their faith? Not what you can do, When you're home by yourself, eat whatever you want, is what Paul's saying. But if you're going to offend another brother, don't. And so here's the principle, and here's how it connects to the whole gate principle, of what we have going on. You need to have a conviction in your heart about every area of your life Holy Spirit's gonna do an audit on you right now. There are areas of your life that are exposed to the enemy. They're exposed to darkness. You haven't brought them into, inside the fold yet. You have ways of thinking. This is what the Bible says in Romans 12. We're transformed by the renewing of our coconut. Yeah, coconut. It's right, it's right there in the Greek. And uh, we're, 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 renewed by, we're, we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. That means our mind still thinks the way it used to think before we were born again. But when you got born again, you you begin to align yourself more and more with the way God says we ought to think and the way we ought to look look at life and the way we ought to value people. And so what ends up happening is there's part of you that's all in, but part of you that's not. In the areas where you're not all in, that's where the thieves and the robbers come at you because you haven't buttoned it up, you haven't pulled everything in and said, whoa, 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 I'm gonna do it God's way. I'm gonna, in every area, it's not just my entertainment, it's not just my Sunday morning, it's my discretionary time, it's my eye gate, it's what I listen to, it's the kind of jokes I'll laugh at and the the kind that really turn me off. What do I need to do? I need to make sure that everything in my life is brought under this umbrella of faith. James chapter four, verse seven, submit yourselves then to God Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. I tell you what, the number one thief in the world is pride. Our pride, our human pride, Is a thief, and it will steal from you. And you know, sometimes your pride is stealing from from you when you're saying, "That's all right, I can do this." Don't we start saying it about two years old? So we're really practiced. I can tie my own shoes. I can do my own thing. You can do your own thing. You'll be miserable. Jesus says, without me, you can do nothing. Now, he he wasn't saying you couldn't do temporal things, but he was saying you can't do things that count for eternity. Eternal things only get done through him. And so if you want your life to count, if you want your life to have meaning, you do it his way and you submit yourself to God. I have people say, Pastor Ken, the devil's really beating me up. And in that moment, you just need to know. I mean, it's okay. I'll, I'll pray with you. You'll, you'll, there'll be compassion. I have a pretty good poker face when it comes to these things. But in the back of my mind, I'm saying, where'd you leave the door open? Where did you leave yourself exposed? What, what is it that's, that's on the inside of you? Maybe it, was a, maybe it was something that somebody said to you when you were a child, and, and that lie has proliferated in your life all this time, and, and it hasn't been brought under into submission to the Lord, right? This is what Paul says. We tear down every stronghold, and we make it obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ. We demolish it. We don't fight earthly battles with earthly means, uh, or spiritual battles with earthly means. We've got to fight them in a spiritual way, and, and so we've got to submit ourselves to God. Submit your whole self, this is number one in your notes, submit your whole selves to God where you will find your strength and then you can do the next step. Anytime I feel like uh, the enemy's beating me up, you, you gotta check yourself and you have to say, did I leave myself open? Did I allow myself to be uncovered in an area that God wants me covered? Have I left myself out there? And so this is what Paul is saying, anything that's not of faith is sin. He said, if you're still doubting what God wants to do in your life, you're not standing in faith. You need to find a, get into the word. I'm not, and, and here's the, the, the challenge, church. You know, The saints who, who are a little further ahead of us, they can help us with this journey, but nobody can give you your answer because you've got to get it from God. That could be part of the problem. You're letting other people tell you God's will for your life. Well, don't do that. Jesus says, I am the gate. And if you need protection, you come into me. And he said, you know what? My sheep know my voice. That's the confidence that we have. Oh, I'm hearing from him. Now, somebody, somebody that's been in the Lord for a little while, maybe they sit with you and you say, this is what I feel like I'm hearing from the Lord. And that person will say, you know what? That sounds a lot like the voice of Jesus to me. Or they might say, that sounds like some bad pepperoni pizza, and I think you ought (laughs) to not eat that bad pepperoni pizza anymore. Number two, resist the devil in the power of God's might. And the enemy has no power, and he has to flee. He has no power, and he has to flee. You need not fear anything on this planet. Because God has given us everything we need for life and for godliness through our knowledge of him. And so you don't have to fear the devil. You don't have to fear the demons. You don't have to fear people. Why? Because people are not our enemy. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Right? We don't have to fear anything because God is our God. And so we, we run through the gate and we look and we say, ah, I'm protected. His authority, where heaven touches earth. So today here's a couple of questions: Where has the enemy been stealing, killing, or destroying you? What's that area of your life that maybe there's a crack? maybe there's the chink, maybe there's the thing that that uh, you get disturbed, you get uptight about you know what I, you, you just need to know that uh, all of us need to fortify our thinking. We need to fortify our lives. We need to buckle down, and we need to say, okay, I'm, I don't want to get ripped off from. I, I, I want to be secure in the Lord. And so there are areas of our life that we need to do an audit on. And we look at our life, and we say, why am I listening to this person? Every time I talk to them, they're tearing me down. Why, why am I constantly thinking about this scenario? And, and ask yourself the why questions. Dig into it. And, and find out what the Lord's saying. And then what area have you left exposed or uncovered in your life? What is that area that you have, you have just not given attention to and you haven't looked at it and you're kind of afraid to? I mean, you know, you get kind of a sense. Oh, yeah, I, I know, like I know that part of the foundation is not really good, but if I look at it, maybe it, maybe it won't be so bad. Ignorance is bliss. We're, we're choosing for ignorance, rather than going and saying, you know what, I I need to go investigate that. Sometimes not knowing is the worst because then you're tormented. I don't know what that person thinks about me. Well, go talk to them. Well, they might say something I don't like. Yeah, but right now the devil's telling you a whole lot of stuff you don't like. Right? So get to the other side of that. Get a good foundation, get a good footing. Don't leave yourself exposed. Get on the other side of the gate. Jesus is saying, come in and where I can protect you. Don't leave yourself exposed, amen.